We're going to go Psalm 123. If you've got a Bible with you, um, if you could look up Psalm 123. And um, is there anybody that would really like to read? Please, somebody say yes. It'd be really helpful. Yes, come on, Abby. I didn't say it like that because you're American, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Should I start? Uh, yeah, great. Okay. To you, I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hands of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hands of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough to contempt of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks, Abby. Great job. Uh, so I have, um, I have one goal for this morning. Uh, we're, con- we're continuing our series of uh, discipleship in an instant society. My, I have one goal for this morning is to raise an army of people that look to God, hear what he says and crack on with it. There you go. That's all it is. One job. Look to God, hear what he's saying and then say, OK, well, that's what I'm going to do. Instant obedience. That's what, I mean, that's what these guys are modelling. You just think that's what, that is what we want to be doing more than anything else. I love the story that we looked at a while ago. Do you remember Levi, the tax collector, sitting in his, in his tax booth? Jesus walks along and, and Jesus says to Levi, uh, Levi, I think I need you to come and follow me. What does Levi say? Uh, right, here we go. Put his book down, put his down, got out of his little tax booth and went and followed Jesus and said, what, what, what do we do now? That, that is the goal, that we are the people who are just obedient to Jesus. We're, we're continuing this, this, um, this series, Discipleship in an Instant Society, based on Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And we're basing it on Psalms 120 to 134. These 15 Psalms that were this old songbook. When all the Jews we used to go back to Jerusalem three times a year and they would have this songbook and they would get it out and every now and again they'd be walking up the hill to Jerusalem and they're saying, why don't we sing Psalm 130? They probably wouldn't have called it that. But why don't we sing this song? And then they'd have all sung this particular song. Each one of those 15 Psalms have a different thing to say about learning to walk with Jesus faithfully every day. It's a different theme. First theme we had was uh, repentance, just saying no to the world and yes to God. Then Tim came and preached the other day about God providing and God protecting us, God's providence. And then uh, John Holt came the other day and said about the importance of gathering together. Do you know what? Come to church, even if you don't feel like it, come, come to church every week. It's, really, it's just a really good thing to do. Just decide you're gonna, that's what you're going to do. And then this morning, we're going to do an amazing service about serving, the God who calls us to serve. I uh, just want to give a big shout out Julie, where's Julie? Is Julie lacking? Where is she? Come on, Julie. Okay, so I spoke to Julie this morning. How many times has Julie been to church? Five. How many times has she served in church? Twice. Already, come on. We love her. Well done, Julie. However, I just need to let you know, does everybody have a not particularly, we're not going to ask you for testimonies about this by the way okay but we don't always have a really positive experience about serving do we has anyone ever felt burnt burnt out when they've served at church well I'm going to take a photograph of all you (laughs) sometimes you just serve and you're doing it all the time and then you think oh my word so like where's Cynthia oh sorry Cynthia I'm just going to dob you in it okay but this morning 
Actually, oh, I've got to be at church at nine o'clock to do all the teas and refreshments. But I think, oh, well done. Thank you for doing it. But she walked to, to, to church to be here for enough time so that we could all have our teas and coffees. But do you know what? Some, not all the time serving is really easy, is it? Sometimes you just think, oh, do I have to do this again? Why am I on the rotor again? And I, just trust me, okay, if you're serving lots and lots and lots, uh, this is a pattern that sometimes happens. You serve a lot, then you think, okay, I've been serving so many times. Actually, if I'm not serving, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to come to church. And then you get into this pattern of you only come to church when you're serving. Can I just let you know, that is a really, really dangerous path to tread because you're never just sitting there enjoying the presence of God. You're always giving out. You're always giving out. So anyway, we're going to talk about serving, but there are some principles that come with serving. And the first one is this. Serving does not begin by somebody like me sidling up to you and saying, well, we really, really need somebody to help do this. Serving does not begin by like seeing a need and thinking, oh, I really must do it. Serving does not begin by feeling guilty about the fact that you're not serving. That is not a really good place to serve to. And I guarantee you'll get burnt out really quite quickly if you do that. Please, please don't serve like that. Don't, sometimes I think I can persuade people to do, don't let me persuade you to do something, okay? Well, not maybe, not all the time, but, but just be careful of it. But serving has got to start like this, when we lift our eyes and when we look to our loving Heavenly Father. And this psalm that we read, it says this, it starts off by saying, to you I lift my eyes, to you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. And you just, I don't know if you can see what, what is going on here, but you, you see this like somebody who is, okay, God, I'm just going to look to you. And it's this picture of a servant or a maidservant saying, I'm just going to look to you. My eyes are just going to be on you. And on you, like beholding the living God, trusting him. It was, I thought it was really interesting when we were worshipping this morning and, and then Andy said, oh, there are some things that we need to give to the Lord. There are. There's so many things that I need to give to the Lord. And I think, I've got to do this. And trust me, at the moment, I could, I could get really grumpy because of the amount of things that I'm doing. I just could. I'm naturally, generally quite a positive person. If I start focusing on all the things, I think, oh my word, life is really hard. And then, but there's like everybody else, like I just get to work in the church, so I can more or less decide what I do. But other everyone else, you've got to go to work, you've got to do all these things, you've got to look after children, you've got to look at homes, and you're thinking, but if we just look at what we're doing, it's a killer. <laughs> Don't do it. Just got to look at Jesus and say, I trust you. Like a servant looking to their master, just say, I am going to trust you. Has anyone ever spoken to anyone famous? Diana, who, who did you speak to? Were they really famous? How, how, okay, yeah. Who, oh, <laughs> who, who was it? Okay, and to, would we know the name of the actor? Okay, right, okay. It was a famous, Diana spoke to a very famous actor. Who, has anyone else spoken to somebody that you, okay, who have you spoken to? 
Yeah, Michael Keaton, okay. Jill saw she was in the Batman movie, okay, just to let you know. And Michael Keaton gave her a hug, okay, but yeah. Okay, right, yeah. Paul Weller from The Jam. Yeah, we like that if anyone here. Yeah. Anyone else? Okay, Janet. Alan Titmarsh. <laughs> oh, it's great. We love these people. Was Alan Titmarsh nice to you? Very nice. What did he say? Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, okay. So we all know this is Gardner's question time. It's turning into that, okay. <laughs> Tracheospernum, a recommendation from Alan Titmarsh. Who else spoke to somebody? Yeah, Marco. Who? Arsene Wenger. I was on a plane with Arsene Wenger once, yeah. Okay. Uh, Luana, who did you speak? So Luana sells very high-end clothing, okay? One, one sock costs about a thousand pounds, okay? <laughs> so lots of, no, and the tooth hat, two, 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 okay, last person. Yeah, Abby. No. Really? Oh, we're in awe of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Who wins? Hillary Clinton. What did it? <laughs> What did, what did you say to Hillary Clinton and what did she say to you? That's very good. This week I spoke to uh, Owen Farrell and Elliot Daly. You might not know who they are, they're rugby players. And I just said, oh, hello. And they said they were really cheery back to me. The, my point of is this, that sometimes when you, if you meet your hero or you meet somebody, you don't know how they're going to respond to you. You don't know how they're going to respond to you. And somebody did say once, never meet your heroes because they'll probably just like be really mean or really horrible to you. And all your sort of like, your ideas of them will be completely shattered. I don't know what you, you know, you don't know what response you're going to get. You don't know if you go to your boss and you say, look, I really need to get paid more money. You don't know what response you're going to get from all of these dis different people. Did anyone see the, the film Gladiator? When, what is Russell Crowe's character called? Maximus Marilius, something like that. He's in, the glad he's in the arena, and then who is the really nasty Roman emperor? Can anyone tell me? Huh? No, it's not Caesar. Anyway, the really nasty Caesar, and then, like, Maximus is in there, he's just fought some gladiator, and then he looks up at the, up at, um, at the emperor and says, what's he going to do? And the emperor puts his hand up like this, and then he goes, Argh. it means he's got to kill this other person. You don't know the sort of response you're going to get. However, what I can need to say to you is this. You do know the response you're going to get when you look to God. He has promised that he will be merciful to you. He will be merciful. Unfailing mercy. Even though we fail, even though we're weak, even though we are selfish, even though we don't really learn to trust when we turn to the Lord, if we turn and look to him, he has promised this. He will be merciful to you. Verse 2 says, mercy, O God, mercy. Our eyes will look to the Lord until he has mercy upon us. It's this great verse that Paul wrote. It said, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which... 
because of the love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive with Christ by grace. And then that, that prayer that we read for communion last week. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose character is always to have mercy. <laughs> I love it. He is consistently merciful towards us. Now, I don't know what, who, we, every single person in the world has a master. Everybody has somebody or something that is their master. It could be any number of different things. It could be fear, success, money, independence. It could be your phone. Your phone could be your master, just so you know. There are so, pardon? Yeah, thanks, Jill. Sometimes I'm not speaking to the whole church. I'm just speaking to Jill. Sometimes. <laughs> but it can be, we can have different things that are our master. Now, the point of being a Christian is this, that we serve a loving master. We serve a master that is kind and merciful towards us. We serve a better master, somebody who speaks mercy over us. So serving, just to let you know, does not start with seeing they're in need and thinking, I must do it. Serving does not uh, start by being persuaded to do something. Serving does not start by being guilty about something that's not happening. Serving starts by looking to God and seeing that he has mercy over me and th I'm thinking, God, I love you so much. Flawed as I am, you are merciful to me. I am going to give everything that I can to you. Everything to you and to you alone. The second point is this, is that when we start to be secure in our relationship with God, we just, we just naturally start to serve other people. <laughs> if we're drawn into this loving relationship, it will just happen automatically that we begin to serve other people. There is a direct correlation, I think, to how confident you are in God's love for you, to your willingness to serve other people. Because guess what? You, you don't have to serve for position. Or, and there's this phenomenal act of humility. You think, I'll do anything. Because actually, I'm serving the Lord. So the, look at these. To prove a point, John 13, verses 3 and f um, 1 to 3. Now, before the feast of the Passover, then a few verses, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, knowing that he had come from God and knowing that he was going to go back to God. He knew where he stood. He knew that he'd come from God and he knew he was going back to God. Therefore, what did he do? He stood up, he put a towel around his waist and started washing his, servant, his disciples' feet. But that's how he could do it. He wasn't fighting for position. He just knew something about how much his heavenly father loved him. He was totally secure in the fact that God loved him, that he was, came from him and he was going to go back to him. Therefore, he just got there and started scrubbing some feet. It's a really horrible thing to do. Please, in this church, let me not take this verse literally, okay? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> He did, Jesus didn't have to fight for recognition, but the more that I know that God loves me, the more willing I am to do absolutely anything that God calls of us. You know this whole thing about when we go to New Day, and um, 
when we go to New Day and part of us are a, a part of this team, a zone hosting team, the young people go and do the things. But then we're part of this, part of the zone hosting team is that we just go and clean toilets. And, and I can see Meg's like a wry smile because last year Meg's was doing it. But do you know what? I, there is, a, I absolutely love doing it. I don't actually love cleaning toilets. I don't really like doing that. But I, I, see, I can say with absolute integrity and total honesty, I do not mind doing it in the slightest. Because I think I'm not actually doing it like primarily for these. I'm doing it just because I love Jesus and he has been so merciful to me. Trust me, I do not deserve God's mercy. Trust me. <laughs> I don't. He's been merciful to me and he draws me in. Did anyone really like the very opening bit of the coronation? Did you notice that 14-year-old chorister called Samuel Strachan? Extraordinary moment when this little, like, I think he looked a bit younger than that, but he just, he walked in and he stood there like this and he said, uh, these are the words, he said, Your Majesty, as children of the kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the King of Kings. Okay, so great. So there's the future king. And we welcome you, not in your name, but in the, king of, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. What did Charles reply? In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. Now, we need to trust and we need to pray for Charles that that is how he works but we, that that is continues to be the motto of his life I think it was the motto of his mother's life but there is this Christian aspect that comes no we come not to be served but to serve because God has shown us that he loves us Jesus came those verses that what you know when King Charles said that it's clearly you're just echoing the words of Jesus when Jesus said I've here not to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man came not to, be, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom to many. There's loads of examples. Paul, Paul, the apostle, he starts off this, the most extraordinary book that he ever wrote, Romans, this extraordinary theological treatise that he wrote to the church in Rome. What is his first words? I, Paul, a servant and an apostle. He got them both together. I'm just going to serve you. I'm a servant. I'm just here to serve. So, we understand that serving is not about being persuaded to do something you'd rather not do. <laughs> it's not about seeing a need and thinking, oh, I must just get on and do it. Although, to be honest, I am very, very grateful when people do just see a need to make coffee on Sunday morning and come in and do it. We're very, very grateful for all of that and the people that serve and, and set up all the tech. We're incredibly grateful. But it doesn't start just from the need. It serves because we know what Jesus has done in our life. And the more we look to him and the more we worship him, the more we just find ourselves like serving other people out of a natural disposition. The third point is this, and my last point is this. How do we do it? How do we serve? What, what, what do we do? And the answer is this, is simply to serve by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 25 says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We, we just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's brilliant. Um, Michelle read those verses from John when he said, no, We hear the Master's voice, we learn it over time, and then we think, oh, 
That's what we're going to go and do. And actually, we want, I, you know, my, my goal from this morning is to create an army of Christians that are able to look to Jesus, hear what he's saying and get on and do it. But we have to learn to hear what Jesus is saying, don't we? I say, OK, this is what I feel God is saying. And that is why things like these guys are going up to Manchester, because they think, oh, God's spoken to them about it. It's why we're going, taking a team out to Malta, because I think, I think God spoke to us about doing this. I hope he did. But we're just going to move because I'm, I'm more and more convinced that he did. But we need to be the people that are hearing what God is whispering to us and moving. My sheep know my voice. I am strangely, bizarrely encouraged when I ask some people to serve and they say no. <laughs> bizarrely. Because if, if I know that those people love Jesus and they're worshipping, they're, they're, they've worked out they're not serving just to make me happy or just to get something done. Because they're serving because they think, this is what I feel God is stepping me into. This is what I feel God has called me to do. So, in a moment, um, uh, we, uh, in a moment we're going to pray. I'm just going to ask in a moment the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. You know? That we would have that ability to discern what God is saying, every single one of us, how are we going to do it? At Upper Room Academy yesterday, we just heard a guy, Tony Thompson, uh, Tony Thompson, Tony Wallace, um, who we're going to be praying for this afternoon. He was just saying that he, was, he digs holes for a living. He's a fencer. He, like, he, he just puts up big fences and they were working on the fences by the railway. And he said, he, he said that he came across some guy who was six foot 11. Six foot 11. So I'm five foot 10, so it's one inch and then another. I mean, he's just like an enormous guy working on the railways. Like, you know, Dick, he said he was part of another team. They were doing something on the tracks. He was building fences along the railway line. And then, but he, he felt, he, he felt God stir him to talk to this man about Jesus. Yeah. But so what he did was he, he spoke to somebody else. He said, I'm going to share the gospel with this, with this enormous guy, you know. And then he said to him, look, have you, was he, was he taking drugs or was that another story? That was at the station. Why? why? He talked about, it was a, that was it. He was a bit, a bit of a Jack the Lad, you know. It was a tall guy. He was probably, you know. But he said, um, Tony said to him, look, have you ever taught, thought about Jesus? And he said, like you're having a laugh who do you think you are what, what are you on about Jesus and then Tony said no have you ever thought about Jesus and then he, what Tony said is that when he mentioned the name Jesus this 6 foot 11 giant of a man working on the railways changed in a moment and he said well I did do an alpha course years ago but I didn't quite understand it all or something like that but the point of it is that Tony was just a man who wanted to hear what God was saying and in any I guess he's quite an intimidating guy working on the you know working on the railway lines but he just heard what God was saying and suddenly it brought breakthrough into that guy's life now we don't know where he was we don't know what happened to him but I think he prayed for him didn't he or he got him I don't know but there was something about him that he saw God spoke to him and he thought, no, I'm going to be the obedient person. So this is what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Just on to the next one, if you can, Simon. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your ordinary, everyday life 
you're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking, but instead fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Can I just ask you to stand with me? Yeah, could we? Third from last song, this talks about God's mercy. The one just before Zoe came. No, it was the old, it was like an old hymn. Yeah. If the band could come back, it would be great. <coughs> just going to pray and I feel God's given me a, just a, a prophetic um, picture when when Shane was singing earlier we may see that she is going to have a baby <laughs> and there are a number of people actually in the church that are going to have a baby there's a number of people I just want to pray. I feel God is saying, I'm, I'm birthing something new within you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to birth fresh faith for something that he is speaking to you about. And I feel, you know, if there's people who are at secondary school and you might think, oh, this moment is just for the adults, it's for them. Now I feel God wants to birth something within you. A fresh ability to see how God is leading you. And a fresh willingness to be radically obedient. So Holy Spirit, we ask, come and would you come and, and fill us? Would you come and anoint us right now? Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and move within us. As we delight in you, as we look to you, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, would you send your Spirit upon us now with fresh waves of grace. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Janet Barlow, I just I saw your email earlier about the Trinity Legal Centre and I feel God wants to just pour his spirit into that as a venture. Pour your Holy Spirit into that. I pray would you anoint Janet, Lord Jesus, to be a woman that brings freedom to many people. Lord, as she steps into the calling and the, the training that you've placed in her for years and years, I pray that this would be a new day, a new day of fruitfulness, Amen. a new day of like hearing your voice and being obedient. And God, we say, come now. I pray that through this, Lord, many, many, many people would be changed. Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus.
know that God is stirring you for something that maybe you've never articulated it to anybody else and it may be not even the right time to do so but in your heart God is birthing something within you in a moment I just want to ask you to raise your hand you won't need to do anything else you won't need to tell anybody God, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit just comes and breathes on that breathes on that Jesus the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve Jesus we're, we're just looking to you come on as Lord if you feel God's put something on you just raise your hand right now very embryonic stages just the beginnings but it's an act of faith to raise your hand Father thank you yes Lord Holy Spirit I ask would you come and fill all these people with their hands raised God I pray that this would be this this beginning moment where you come and breathe your life breathe your fire breathe your purpose breathe your fruitfulness come Lord Jesus oh Lord we look to you Father thank you